Let's pray. Oh, Father, how great you are. Lord, we thank you that we get to sing that song. That we get to make a, a melody to you. And that you move in us and, and through us and, and that you love us. Lord, I thank you for the seniors and I pray a blessing on them as they go. I thank you for moms. I thank you for my mom. And I thank you for my kids' mom. And Lord, we lift them up to you. And we just thank you that they are genuine and that they love us and that they care for us. And what a blessing it is. Lord, we give you glory and honor and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The kids can be dismissed. As I was putting together this sermon series, I didn't think about Mother's Day and graduation. And so later on, I look at this text and I'm like, oh yeah, this is perfect for Mother's Day. Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. And so I'm looking at this text and I go, yeah, moms are genuine. I mean, they have this real love for their children. And we can apply this to graduating seniors. Every mom and dad in here want their children to, to stay away from what's evil. In, the, in college and, and in the workplace, wherever that's at, they want them to hold on to what is good and to hold on to Jesus. And in fact, this word genuine means authentic, sincere, and real. The problem is this text doesn't actually say genuine when you look at it in the Greek. The word here in the Greek is anhypokritas. It means without hypocrisy or without deception. The prefix on means that this, this without. And the rest of the word is transliterated here. Hypocritas. Do you hear it? Hypocrisy. It's the actual word. And this word originated for an actor or somebody who plays a part other than themselves. Somebody who's two-faced. And if you've been around the church for a minute, you know this. We've been told since we were little not to be hypocrites, but to be genuine. But yet it's still a problem in the church. Still a problem in our relationships. And so why would Paul use the negative word here? I mean, there's words in the Greek that mean genuine. But I believe that without hypocrisy was used for a reason. Jesus, He had a lot to say about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy was a big problem back in the Jewish culture. It was a big problem in the Christian community when Paul was writing this. And it's still one of the greatest problems today in the church. You see, when I just say genuine, it doesn't have the same impact as when I say not hypocritical. And the series building up is now transitioning into not breaking down. And you might say, aren't these the same thing, Pastor Zach? In a way, but our perspective changes. You see, if we're not aware of the negative attributes that can arise, we'll get caught up in them before we even realize it. Christian living is understanding the negative that we are predisposed to because of our sin nature. And then allowing God to transform it through the work of His Son. We will never be transformed without a relationship with Jesus. 
You see no cross and hypocrisy and hate and laziness, discontentment, greed, revenge, pride, foolishness, anger, and unforgiveness can settle in. These are the attributes over the next nine weeks that we're going to study. And so we're going to put them in our bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, grab it. I want you guys to really dive into this through this study. And take these attributes and really learn how do we work with them? How do we allow Jesus to transform them in it? You see, because only you and God know your heart. And only you can make the changes in your heart and allow God to be there. That's why Jesus is so amazing. He can speak to people in a way that we could never speak to them. Because He keeps people's motives, their plans, and their thoughts. He knows exactly what they are. And if Jesus did not go easy on hypocrisy, then neither should we. And not so much other people's hypocrisy, but our own. We only know our own motives, our own plans, and our own thoughts. And if we're going to work on being genuine and not being hypocrites, then we need to focus on God's approval and not on man's approval. We need to be self-aware of who we are. We need to practice empathy. We need to keep everything in perspective. We need to be real, which is the same as being the same inside and outside. And so the text we're going to use today is Matthew 23. And it's probably one of the most difficult texts when you look at it. And as I looked at that, I was like, how am I going to preach this on a Mother's Day? But it didn't stop me. So as we look at hypocrisy, as we turn to Matthew 23, I want us to really dive into this text and understand what it means to see Jesus not speak so much against these Pharisees, but speak boldly to them so that they could be saved. He knew they were perishing. He knew He had to speak into their lives. Often we see Jesus is going against the Pharisees when in reality, He's just trying to wake them up. And some like Nicodemus did, but most did not. Jesus is trying to direct their focus away from man's approval towards God's approval. He's trying to save their lives. That's Jesus' motives. Is that ours? So that's number one. Focus on God's approval, not man's approval. In the beginning of Matthew 23, Jesus starts by telling the people to listen to the Pharisees. And this might seem kind of weird, but, but these Pharisees, they're the religious leaders. They've spent years learning the Torah and the Old Testament. They are purposed by God to know when the Messiah is coming, to recognize Him, and to share it, and to help the people see it when He comes. Matthew 23.3 So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Hypocrites act in a way that contrasts what they preach. It'd be me, like me sitting up here and telling you to go share the Gospel, and I never do it. It'd be like me telling you to, to love your wife, and I'm having an affair on the side, and I promise I'm not. But think about the damage that it would cause to our church and to my family if I was. But hypocrisy has the same type of effect on relationships. You see, nobody trusts you, nobody believes you, nobody sees Jesus in you, or worse yet, they see Jesus as a hypocrite. Moving on, verse 4 tells us the Pharisees tie heavy burdens on the people, but they're not willing to lift a finger themselves. 
And so basically what's going on here is there was a law of Moses. Moses wrote down this law given to him by God. And Jesus never goes against this law. In fact, he's the fulfillment of it. But the Pharisees had added an oral law. And this oral law was used to protect this written law that Moses had written. It was like this fence put around it. And Jesus was always going after that one. Jesus was always challenging the hypocrisy when it came to this oral law written by men. You read about it in Mark 7. You read about it in Matthew 15. And Jesus, He challenges them with Isaiah 29.13. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor Me with their lips, while their hearts are far from Me, and their fear of Me is a commandment taught by men. God's laws are beautiful. God's laws are free. Man's laws are restrictive and captive. The Pharisees, they understood that no one could keep all these laws, but they still wanted people to think that they could. They wanted people to think that they were special so that they could have the power. Jesus right here, He's accusing them of being stricter on the people and more lenient on themselves. They were missing the point of the law. And He was showing them how to live with hearts of compassion and not hearts of stone. He's telling them to focus on a passion for God and not on the rules. You see, when we love the rules first before God, our rules become our God. And then we're more apt to to seek out this approval of man. But when we focus on God and His approval... Our our motive is no longer on us, but on what God thinks. Who God is, not what other people think of us. And so Matthew 23, 5-7, They, talking about the Pharisees, do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feast and, and best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. What is their motive? The question for us is what is our motive? And this phylactery is is not wrong in and of itself as long as it points toward a relationship with God. Phylacteries are a small box worn on the arm and between the eyes on the forehead. And a fringe is a long tassel on each corner of this outer garment that they would wear. But the Pharisees, they would enlarge it. They would do it to make themselves look more pious, more devoted to God. They took Deuteronomy 6.8 which says that you shall bind them on your arm and you shall put them on your frontlets as literal. Nothing wrong. You see these boxes, they contain the Word of God. They contain Exodus 13.2-16. And it reminded them of what God had done to take them out of this, this Egypt, this bondage. It also included the Shema which is Deuteronomy 6.4-9 and 11.13-21. In that text, the Shema, it talks about the Lord our God being one. And it also talks about how we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Jesus isn't against those. I mean, that was His first commandment. But what Jesus is against is their motives. And that's what I want us to evaluate. Evaluate our motives. You see, because we should always be pointing people towards Jesus because He is the one that is special, not us. We are only special because 
of Him. I had a person a few months back, or a couple months, I'm not sure when, but he came into my office. And he was completely broke because he had helped somebody fix their car, he'd helped another person pay rent, and he'd helped somebody else pay off a bill. And he kept telling me that he was a generous person. And I asked him again, I said, why did you help these people? And he said, because it makes me feel better. Now that doesn't seem that bad, right? But as I started to talk to him, I said this, how long did that last? And he said, not long. And I looked at him and I told him, I'll help you. But you're really not helping people because you want to help them. You're helping them to fill this void in your life so that they will like you. You want the approval of man. And he looked at me and I could see that he got it. You see, whose opinion do we care about the most? Do we evaluate why we give? Do we evaluate why we serve? Do we evaluate who we are? And that's number two. We're to be self-aware. At the end of verse 7, it says, being called rabbi by others. Think about it. Am I a pastor so that you can call me pastor? Is that my motive? I hope not. I know not. But if I need somebody to call me a doctor so I can find my worth, if I need somebody to call me an attorney so I can find my worth, or a professor, a councilman, a congressman, whatever your title is, then you've lost your way. And it's not that we can't call people these titles. No, I teach my kids to do it out of respect. But if you find your worth in the title, then you're not directing the glory towards God. You're directing it towards yourself. We need to understand that we are only these things because God blessed us. It says this in verse 8 of of Matthew 23. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. The ultimate teacher is God. God deserves the credit for everything. In verse 9 says this, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Now he's not saying that you can't call your dad here Father. He's saying that your heavenly Father is everything. And that's the one that you should look towards. That's the one that you should lean into. That's the one that you should be focused on. Verse 10, it says, Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Now you might not see it, but Jesus right here is putting Himself on par with the Father. He's calling Himself God right here. You see, we should understand where our place is. And when we understand where our place is, it helps us to understand who we are. And when we have an idea of who we are, we don't have to lie, we don't have to be fake. And what's on the inside can be the same as what is on the outside. And we can be real. And we can demonstrate truth in our actions. Verse 11 and 12. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We are to realize that we are all servants, and that we are to remain humble. And when we do this, it frees us up to live lives, genuine lives. I'm telling you, the consequences are high if we exalt ourselves. I don't know about you, but I have no desire to humble myself. I have every desire to be humble to God. To allow God to be the one that works in my life. Why would I ever exalt myself? 
But the problem is sometimes we do. But what I love about it, even in our disobedience, God showed empathy on me by sending His Son. Sending His Son to save me. To save all of us. And if God shows us empathy, then we have an obligation to show others that same empathy. So that's number three. Let's practice empathy. Instead of judging others, instead of condemning others, put yourself in their shoes. And then we can truly help them. We can truly show them this genuine love. We can show them grace. When we have a right heart, we can speak truth into their lives. We can speak constructively to them. But we have to build relationships first. I know this man in jail, and he's about 18 or 19 years old. And you see this man, he continually self-sabotages himself so that he can get back into jail because he can't handle it when he's out. He needs that, that structure that the jail provides. And I know that this young man knows Jesus. I love when he comes and sees me while I'm in the jail. And I asked him if I could share this message. Because often I see him, when he shows back up, I just have this, this sadness in my heart. I feel for him, and, and just as easily I could be mad at him. I could be like, what are you doing? Until I find out his story. You see, this young man, at the age of six years old, was given meth by his parents. When you hear that, you start to understand that this man is dealing with some things that we can have passion for, that we can have empathy for, that we can show him grace now, that doesn't mean that I don't speak truth in his life. That doesn't mean that his actions have an excuse. No, that means that we continually show him the love that Jesus showed us. That we take time to get to know him, to continually work in his life, and to not give up on him. You see, sometimes we can make it difficult for people to know Jesus. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. Matthew 23, 13 but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. This woe is a term used to express condemnation. And Jesus is not condemning them. He's warning them of their current condition of condemnation. The very people who were supposed to be looking for the Messiah, they were missing it. I mean, He's right there and they miss it. And not only that, they don't lead other people to Him. They lead Him away. They wanted power and prestige more than they loved the people God had given them to bring the message to. Every person in Scripture that genuinely seeks out Jesus finds Him. The ones that actively seek against Him and ignore Him do not. I don't want this church to ever be a place that actively pushes people away from Jesus. How do we bring them to the saving knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is? See, I never want them to be like the people in verse 14. Now you may look at your Bible, and if you have a modern Bible, you notice that verse 14 is not in there. If you have a KJV, it is. And it says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater condemnation. Guys, the only reason that verse 14 is not in there is because the older manuscripts did not have that text. Let me share. I just can't leave it right there. 
I got this from gotquestions.org. The KJV was translated in 1611 A.D. And these, these KJV translations used a Greek manuscript called the Textus Receptus. Try saying that. But since that time, we have found thousands of biblical manuscripts that were dated earlier than that one. And as we started looking at these texts, we noticed that there were some things that were added by scribes. Probably not intentional. Some places maybe. But they believe that that earlier manuscripts are more likely to be the ones that are correct. And so we take that in these newer, like the ESV, right? The one that we work through. And we see this text. And some of them will have like brackets or, or, or com- you know, not commas, but uh, you know what I mean. They'll have footnotes. But what's awesome is that the Gospel, the meat, the, the foundation of our Bible, there is no change. It stood the test of time. I was just downstairs and we were talking about Islam downstairs. Now don't get crazy. I'm comparing it to why Christianity is better. But as I'm looking at Islam, Islam took this text and said that it was corrupt. They said that God's Word was corrupt and, and, and Muhammad changed it. But as you look at Christianity, Christianity has never done this. Christianity goes all the way back to the beginning. It takes this Word and it's just this continuation of Jesus. And Jesus is the fulfillment of it. And what's, it's what makes Christianity so beautiful. And so as we look at these words... I don't believe that these words were necessarily left out because Jesus didn't say them. I believe Jesus did say them. We see that in Mark 12, 40. But where I really want to go with this text is to see how these Pharisees did not show empathy. How they lacked it. You see, the Pharisees cared more about the people seeing and hearing their long prayers than they did widows having a place to live. We cannot say that we love Jesus and not care about the well-being of others. Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Basically what is being said here is the Pharisees, they were going out and they were making converts like we should be doing. But while they're doing it, they're actually condemning those converts to hell by not recognizing the Messiah. It's the same thing that's happening in all these cults today. It's the same thing that is happening in any religion that is not focused on the Messiah. This Christ who came and redeemed us. You see, Satan loves it when we're pointed towards something that's fake, that's, that's false. When we are dependent on a fake understanding about it, we're not looking towards the right understanding of it. And on top of that, we should have empathy as people for the people that are dying, not understanding who the Messiah is, thinking they are saved from something else. And I pray that we don't be a church that gets caught up in the rituals and the traditions and all the things that we do on a Sunday morning. That we are more about the people that are lost and we seek them out and we care about them and we love them because that is a right heart that Jesus gave us. That is genuineness, not hypocrisy. Do we keep everything in perspective? That's number four. 
The Pharisees, they get caught up in all these small things like what we can swear an oath by. Is it the temple or is it the, the gold in the temple? Verse 16. Is it the altar or is it the gift on the altar? Verse 18. But I can tell you that James is very clear about what we should swear. James 5.12 But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so you may not fall under condemnation. We are not to swear. We are not to swear to God because when we are genuine, our word means something. Only the hypocrites have to add something else to it. And what's important is that we stop making promises that we can't keep and that we keep the promises that we make. That we focus on God's plan and His perspective rather than on oaths and trying to make ourselves look righteous. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. This tithe of herbs was required. And Jesus is not against it. He was not against all of these things, but He's against missing the true essence of a relationship with God. Verse 24, you blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Now what does that mean? I didn't know. I had to look it up, right? We often we focus on the little things like straining a gnat out of our drink when there's a camel in it. Right? Hypocrisy is this, this camel, this thing that we have to, to seek out and destroy, this thing that we have to worry about. We get so caught up in all the little details and miss God's amazing justice, which allows us to focus on mercy and faithfulness. We don't have to worry about whether or not a person gives the right amount or whether or not they're obeying all the rules because when they have Jesus, it is on their heart. We can focus on God's attributes like we spent four weeks doing. We can learn to apply it to our lives. But the Pharisees, they wanted to make everyone apply to what they were saying because they wanted the power. They were hypocritical. And Jesus is not about the Pharisees' power. He's not about our power. He's about saving souls. He's about surrender to Him. That's the perspective that we must take in everything that we do. And if we lose that perspective, then we will never be real. And we will always be hypocritical. And so that's number five. Be real. Be the same inside and outside. Instead of being afraid to show your human side, embrace it. You see, at the root of hypocrisy is a desire to be loved and accepted without judgment. But we often trade man's judgment for God's. When hypocrites start to show humility and become more authentic, they get real acceptance. People are accepting who we are and not who we try to be. And I'm not telling us to give up Jesus and act like the world. I'm not saying that at all. I'm telling us to allow Jesus to transform us, to make us in His image, His heart, and not to live like hypocrites. Matthew 23, 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. There was an argument at the time about whether or not you should clean the outside of the cup or you should clean the inside of the cup. 
Now, we obviously know that we should clean the inside of the cup, right? But it's really not about the cup. It's about the heart. It's about the inside. It's about the heart of the people who are seeking out others to tell them about this Jesus. We have this friend on, in Denver that we go to on this mission trip to Denver, and his name is Mean Gene. Now, he's not mean at all. Now, he'll talk your leg off, right? He'll talk for three hours, but 98% of it is about Jesus, and the other 2% is about the building that he takes care of. But Eugene, he has this styrofoam cup. And I'm pretty sure this styrofoam cup is over eight years old. <laughs> he uses this styrofoam cup every single day. Now, he washes it, but you can tell that this styrofoam cup has been used. But what is cool about Eugene is he takes this styrofoam cup and every single Monday he goes out on the street and he talks to anybody who comes by and he shares them about this love for Jesus. Now he obviously gives them a new cup while he has the old one. But you should see his heart. He is genuine. He is a man that is about kingdom purposes and not about man's purposes. And so as we read on in verse 26, we have to ask ourselves, are we like this whitewashed tomb which looks amazing on the outside but is old and decaying bones on the inside? I'm telling you, I would much rather have an old cup that is alive for Jesus than a new one that has no purpose. And so I challenge us to be real. In Matthew 23, 29-32, the Pharisees, they continually said that they would not have killed those, those prophets of old. These prophets of old are only speaking the truth, but yet that's not what we're seeing with these Pharisees who had a part in the death of John the Baptist and they're going to have a part in the death of Jesus. They're acting like broods of vipers. Now, I bet you never thought that verse 33 you would hear on a Mother's Day's message. It says this, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Now, my wife has said that to our children. <laughs> I've heard my mom say it to me a few times. But we should never apply that to our mothers. This is a really weird saying by Jesus, but it's actually used multiple times. Multiple times in the book of Matthew, and it's always used to describe hypocrites. John Piper says to call somebody a brood of vipers is like calling somebody a spawn of Satan. Jesus is telling people hypocrisy is not a little gnat. It is evil. It's a camel and it must be dealt with. And so how do we deal with it? The only way is to let Jesus and His Word transform us. Romans 12.9 Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. This word abhor is, is in the Greek. It's aposteio. It means to strongly dislike or disdain or distance ourselves from something. And I'm not saying that we should distance ourselves from hypocrites. I'm saying that we are the hypocrites. And we need to run from hypocrisy and hold fast to what is good. This word hold fast is kolau. It means to cling, to join, to associate with. Do you cling to what is good? Do you join the truth? Do you associate with Jesus? Because if you do, we should be genuine. 
We should be focused on God's approval. We should examine ourselves. We should practice empathy. We should keep Christ as the focus as He transforms us away from hypocrisy into Him. So this week, we should all reflect on this. Take your bulletin. Reflect on it. Don't just leave here and let this go away. No, think about how do we become a more genuine church? How do we reach this community I truly believe that's that's FBC. I truly believe that we are a genuine church, but I truly also believe that we can always get better at this. That we can always focus on God. That we can allow Him to transform us. That we can allow Him to change us. And that He will be the one that makes us more genuine. And that gives us the ability to love our community on a deeper level. And so that's my challenge for us as we leave this place. That's my sending out words. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You. I thank You for Your love. And I thank You for Your genuine mercy. Your grace. I thank You for moms and just the demonstration of what it means to to be genuine, to love. Lord, I lift up the seniors as they go and I pray that You would bless them, that they would hold on to this that they would have a passion for You and that that passion would lead towards this love and desire for others. That You would get rid of hypocrisy in our life and that You would let us see You on a deeper way. Lord, I lift up the people in this room and I pray a blessing upon them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.